Bethel World Outreach Church. Reaching a city to touch the world. Okay, have you ever like asked yourself a question? How could there be people in the body of Christ for multiple years and yet have two extremely different expressions of their faith. It would seem as if the expressions of their faith should be universal and the same, but they're distinctly different. For an example, um, do you remember, um, like, here's a great example. I'm going to use Ricky Bowser. Ricky Bowser is one of the greatest Christians that I know. He's a pastor in this church, but we don't pay him. He, he has an air-conditioned business, and, and, and when God reached him and his wife had, had a season when they were very young, when they were, were uh, they run our addiction program, and they got free from that, and they've been radical Christians ever since, and every time you talk to Ricky, uh, he is doing something more for Jesus in this, in this city or in a nation. And if you've ever called Rick on the phone, what's the first thing he's going to say? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's Rick. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's me. It's Rick. If you get on this, and if you get on this answering machine, it's praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Jesus is good. God is good. He wants to save you right now. You know, you call, he don't know if you saved or not saved. His answering machine will lead you to the Lord. <laughs> and you, you know, and, and if you ask him, one time I, I, I actually sat Rick down and said, hey, Rick, man, come on, man. Everything ain't praise the Lord. <laughs> Everything. He said, Pastor James, Pastor James, if you know, everything is praise the Lord. Do you know what God has done for me? Do you know how good, do you know when I, and he started telling you his whole story, him and his wife, and you're just like, yeah, man, I need to be praising him more myself. <laughs> so you got Ricky, who's been in church for decades. And it seems like from the beginning of his walk with Christ, if I interact with him, it seems like it just keeps getting better. Now you got this other person, now in the other service, because I didn't know who Ricky Bobby was, I said, there's Ricky, I said, he gonna be, his name going to be Bobby. And everybody started laughing. So I don't know who Ricky Bobby is, just for y'all think I'm making a re reference, but I don't know how to change it at this point. So you got Rick and you got Bobby. <laughs> I tried to cut, change it to Johnny and they said, no, leave it Bobby. All right, Bobby. So Bobby's a Christian. This is a real person, I just changed the name. Saved at the same time. And initially, in love with Jesus. Initially, everything was great. But as one decade went past, they became more miserable looking. Another decade passed, they almost spiritually decrepit. Another decade goes past, and they are cynical, critical, finger-pointing, and it looks like they're inside the church, but they're enemy of the church. But they're born again. And I wonder, how can you have a Ricky that's so in love and have a Bobby that had initially love and they're, in, they're equally in Christ, but the experience is so radically different? I 
could this happen? I believe Ephesians 3 is going to tell us how it happens. I believe Ephesians 3 is going to help all of us figure out whether we're Ricky or Bobby. Whether we are enjoying a fruitful life in Christ or whether we're just enduring a miserable Christian life. The sad story is, if you could be honest with me, if you could come up here and we could have a private, truthful moment, you feel more like Bobby than Ricky. And I'm going to help you. See, why is that? Paul helps us encounter this tension and provides the answer through Scripture. Watch this. Ephesians chapter 3 Verse 7, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. I became a servant. Now, when Paul's uh, writing this, he's a prisoner. He's not proclaiming his prison sentence. He's not even blaming God for his circumstances. He's saying in the midst of challenging circumstances in his own life, I'm a servant. Even though personally, I'm not getting the benefits of grace that one might say, oh, he's really enjoying and reaping all these great benefits. I'm still in the grace. Oh, okay. Okay, you're going to still make me work. Okay. All right, I got you. All right. Paul is someone who has great appreciation that he could even call himself a servant of the grace, the gospel of grace. You know, the challenge for us all is, can we remember the moment that the gospel reached us? Do you remember the condition you were in before Jesus Christ entered into your life? You know, the strange thing about Paul was he was very educated, he was very passionate, he, he had a high pedigree, um, he was a Pharisee, a Pharisee, a, a, a Hebrew from the tribe of Benjamin. I mean, he had, he had all the accolades that would make us in the modern day era want to listen to this man. This man is somebody who had it going on, but he also had a vileness on the inside of him. And here, here's the worst thing about the vileness Paul had on the inside of him, he could not recognize it. The worst thing in the world is to live in life and think you're okay when you're not okay. And that was Paul's situation. Most of the people you see propagating the sinful behavior that, um, that, that the Bible speaks against, I don't think that they're waking up every day saying that they're evil. They feel all right in their condition or in their circumstances. You see, but this is what the gospel does. The gospel confronts you. See, Paul... Paul was not confronting Jesus. Okay, put my, put, my, put, my, put my thing up here. Pastor, come give me that. Put my arrow up here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make this right. Come, come here. And you stay down there, down there, Pastor Rice. I'm going to make this real plain. Carlos is the only one to use this arrow. I'm taking, Carlos, I'm taking your arrow, brother. This is over. Take this arrow to another level, Carlos. Now you go down, go way down there on that other side. Walking like the Lord would. See, Paul... <laughs> See, smooth like that. You got a brother walk, kind of. I like that. It's in you, brother. 
<laughs> we didn't rehearse this. So I don't know what's going to come out of him. It just came out. It's natural. Paul is about to receive grace. He received grace. The problem with myself and all of us is, is maybe we didn't receive the depth of the grace. See, we, there's a point in my life where I've told God stuff like, God, I don't really need the grace like other people need the grace. I know there's a gap between us, but I'm one of those people who do mostly the right stuff. And so I know some people who they shouldn't even look at you or approach you, but I'm at least dignified enough. I'm at least, you know, I got enough things going together where even if you didn't come, I said this before, even if you didn't come, I probably would have served you anyway. You see, it's some, it's some self-deception. You know, Paul was that guy who think, God, I'm doing a good job for you. If you picked anybody, you would pick me. And so I know that other people are far, but me and you, I know you got some work to do in between this little space, but it ain't much for you to do when it comes from me. Okay, that's, that's Paul. Now, now, really, Paul is in the same position as Mother Teresa was if she don't bow her knee to Jesus. Is Hitler, if he didn't bow his knee to Jesus. Is you and I, your spouse, your boss. Everybody is in this same position. And you're not looking at Jesus, but Jesus is looking at you and your back is turned. And what would Jesus be doing? Pastor Rice. That's what he would be doing. You're not thinking about him. You don't desire him. You don't want him, Paul. You're on your way to murder Christians and you think you're all right. You and God are in a high place, but you don't realize he's coming to encounter you with grace. He's not coming with a club. He don't have a club behind him. He don't have a knife or a gun. He doesn't have vengeance on his mind, but what he has is grace and mercy. And at some point, you still don't want God. You know what He taps you. It's like a knocking. He knocks on you. He... <laughs> I wonder if Jesus really looked like that. No, he was a, he, he was a Jew. Definitely not. He, definitely definitely not. Not. he was a Jew. He was Jewish. He was more like me, brother. Like, had, had some pigmentation. He was probably in between us. In between, yeah, yeah. somewhere in between. A mix. I love that. I love you're more spiritual. All right. <laughs> so, so here it is. Paul, for the first time in his life, has to be confronted with all his righteousness not being enough. And he has to get blinded in this moment from seeing himself and all of his efforts as the, 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 the reason that him and God are all right. And he has to be led by another man. And he has to be instructed. And then you see Paul starting to surrender, calling Jesus Lord, being healed, being baptized, being filled. And then he goes on to the very place, Damascus, and he begins to preach. See, you and I must receive the grace from Jesus. You don't go demand something from him. See, he, Paul said, it wasn't my power that was latent in me that was just laid up, stored up, and I was going well up to it and, and make my way. He, Jesus had to make the way to you. 
I'm a servant to this. You know what Paul is showing us? The distinction between Ricky and Bobby? He's showing us that the Rickies of the world receive the grace. The Rickies of the world keep getting the grace poured in. And let me tell you something. Where do you remember the last time God giving you a revelation of his grace? When's the last grace you received from God? When's the first grace he poured in? Grace is something undeserved, unmerited, unearned. You're incapable of your own strength of doing anything to benefit yourself, but yet he pours in grace. But grace must be received, and you know he received it because he calls himself a servant to it. What has caused the grace to come into your life to the degree where you say, I'm here to serve that grace? Are you here to serve the grace? Paul is saying it doesn't matter about my personal circumstances. See, we believe in this personal grace. Like, you know, as long as Jesus is paying my bills, healing my body, and taking care of me, I'm going to do a little dance for him. I'm going to wave a little hand for him. And I'm going to show up for his church. And I might, I might just give him a tithe. I might. We respond to the grace in a, in a, with a singularity, with, 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 with religious behavior, which is not necessarily bad, but it is not holistically proof that you're receiving the grace. Paul said, no, this is a gift. And when you realize you got a gift, you do something with it. He, why is he referring to the grace as a gift? Because he re- realized how far he was away. He realized it. Here, here's what the, the Bible says in, in Ephesians 2. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not of yourselves, Paul. It is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. Do you remember? I remember where I was when Jesus said, enough of this attitude in you, James. I remember where I was with a bat in my hand, walking, running down a hill to bludgeon a man to death with a bat. I remember my murderous intent. I remember God mercifully letting the police show up and me dropping the bat. I remember God's mercy as they let me go. I remember God's mercy as I fell to my knees crying out for Lord's mercy on my soul when no one was there to arrest me and no one was there to harm me and no one knew the depth of my heart and the violence of my heart, but Christ knew and Christ alone. And I began to say words that I'd only heard in church, but I hadn't surrendered to the church. Yes, Lord, not my will. Your will be done. The grace had visited me. I knew that the mercy showed up and my life wasn't going to be a life of prison or the life of guilt and shame where I had to overcome a murder. But God's mercy showed up and I was receiving that mercy. And I'm going to tell you something, when you receive this mercy, you begin to walk initially in a way that is just full of life because you're alive. And you know what you want to do when you first get this grace? You want to do anything and everything Jesus wants you to do. Everything's about Jesus. I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. I'll sell stuff. I'll give stuff. And you preach to everybody just like Ricky. And if you can keep receiving the grace long enough, you can get another decade where you're moving forward. In another decade where you're outreaching further. In another decade. And if you don't receive the grace... 
no matter how many decades you add at walking in the faith, you'll always feel like you don't have enough. See, the grace was a gift to Paul as an individual, but it gave him also a grace of giving. He gave him a ministry. It made him an apostle. It made him a leader. It made him a steward. It gave him a responsibility. And, 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 and this is how Paul, Paul says it uh, in, uh, I think, the verse 8, Ephesians 3, 8. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people. I love this. I want to just stop there for a moment. He's not being overly humble. He's not being self-effacing. He's not just trying to criticize himself. He literally believes that he's the lowest of the low. But he's still in the Lord's house with the Lord's people. Then Paul said, I know you don't want to claim me because I was trying to kill y'all. And I, I believe that was bad. But I'm in the house. I'm in the family. He's talking like a man who has received the grace. When you receive the grace, even if somebody wants to exclude you, even if somebody wants to say, we don't like that, you had, a, you had a, a, a gender switch and a gender switch back, we don't want you in. You, 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 you got a, you got a, you got a, you got a Y, but you acting like you got an XX, and I'm telling, and I, I don't want you in. You see, it's not condoning but grace, grace doesn't push you away. Grace says you're included in the beloved. Grace doesn't give you an excuse to stay lost or stay confused or stay in guilt or stay in shame or, or, or stay in your disposition that is in opposition to the will of word of God. But the grace shows up and says, you in this thing. Now, the human behavior says, I don't like how you behave. And because I don't like how you behave, I want to keep you out. Paul has transcended that. And what helped him is because he received the grace for his own life. Now, look, look at verse 8 further. He says that the grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. See, you're not here to point fingers at every sinner you know in your life. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why we pick it at you. Mm -hmm. Jesus don't like none of that. Mm -hmm. Yes, you, nasty. He's not, he, he, he's not, he, da, da, da. Uh, when did you see Christ do this? When did you see Christ do this? Paul has received such grace. He hasn't forgotten that he can reach the people who seem to be a, a, a vileness, a stench in the, in, in the Jewish community. The Gentiles, really? See, Paul knew, the, the Bible calls it in the, in, the, uh, in, in the next verse, the mystery through the gospel to the Gentiles. And here's what that mystery is. Go, go to verse 6. Uh, yeah, the mystery is that through the gospel, the, read that together. I want you to read it out your own Bible to see what Paul, what, what's the grace? What's the, what was he doing? One, two, read. The 
I'm extending grace to people who would be excluded from the grace if I hadn't received the grace. But because I received the grace and I hadn't forgotten how much, how lost I was, how, how deeply entrenched in my way of thinking, in my philosophy, in my own personal lordship, even the Christ reached me in, in, in the most profound way, I'm able to extend his mystery. I didn't just receive the grace to know what he did for me. I received the grace to know what he had done from eternity. He did it. He was speaking about it in Isaiah in the Old Testament. He was speaking about it in Acts 1-8 when he said, you're going to be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. He was speaking in the Matthew 28, when he said, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, that he's already including the Gentiles from the very beginning of his love. God so loved the world, he gave his only son. So he's trying to help him understand, in Christ, I bring everything together. And if this is true, and you receive the grace, you must extend it. You've got to extend it. Now, here, here's, a, here's a piercing tension. Here's a piercing tension. Perhaps, and, and let it sting just a little bit, okay? I'm going to tell you, it might sting. Perhaps you haven't received the grace if there's a lack of willingness in you to extend the grace. And if you have no burden or frequency in you, that almost demands of you that you extend the grace. And you and I better cry out for that grace to be revealed or we'll end up like Bobby. Decade after decade in the church, cynical, critical, angry, broken, unenergized, unhealed, Believing that God is a liar, but they, they accepted Christ. None of the benefits of their life. Because instead of extending the gospel message and the gift of grace, they only struggled just to receive the grace for their own life. Thank you, Ricky, for being an example of a man who decade after decade can receive the grace of God uh, just, just so y'all know, Ricky, stand up so they know who I'm talking about. He's a real person. That's a real person. That's a real pastor. That's a real man of God. How your wife stand up with you? Stand up with me. That's wrong. That's, that's the real man right here. That's a real person. If I gave him the mic right now, he said, Pastor Jay, you don't know how good God's been to me. You don't know what he is. And he'll start saying, yesterday. He said, no, no, not yesterday. Today. That's what he's done. You see, when you have the grace, you, like Paul, begin to say stuff like, I did not come with the excellency of man's wisdom, but I came in power and demonstration of the Spirit. He says, because God has chosen through the foolishness of preaching to say, and even though I feel my inadequacy, not my education, he didn't feel his education, because that would have been his grace, not God's grace. He didn't feel his own personal power. He told you in verse 7, it was not my power that was within me. It was God's power. Because he got the revelation pure that he didn't get to Christ, but it was Christ that got to him, then he got a grace that makes him extend the grace in a pure form. 
And he preaches it. So when he's in Athens, and it would seem like when he's in Athens with the Stoics, the philosophers, the Epicureans, and all of these other folks, it would, it would seem as if he should cower in society. But he picks the most obscure thing and he wraps it in the message that he knew from the moment that he received the grace. Someone tell you about that. And the Bible said they thought he, him strange, but they said, we want to keep hearing what you got to say. What if I told you that when you extend the grace, you're going to meet more people than you could ever imagine that want to hear the grace from you? Amen. Could it be that the reason, again, this will sting just a little bit, but let it sting. Could it be the reason that we have not seen more salvation, James Lowe, is there's not enough gospel presentation extending the grace. And you know, when I'm, when I'm on my Bobby side, when I'm thinking is how I sum people up. Well, he's not open. They don't have time. They're too far. I'm summing people up. I don't think Paul summed anybody up. I think Paul was like, man, if he could reach me, and everybody's open. Everybody's open. Jasmine has reached at least two or three teachers. Raised up in his church. She's reaching teachers. Who thinks they're teaching? How do you just talk to your teacher about Jesus? And then they're in church and then they're in full-time ministry. She, she talked to her teacher. She extended to grace. What if I told you that if you're a stay-at-home mom or if you're a CEO, that God is giving you opportunities to extend the grace at all times? And let me show you this final point, what he's trying to do. He ultimately, first of all, let me rephrase that he's trying to do because he needs no help to do anything. That gives the wrong connotation. Let me show you what he's trying to Allow us to see. And it's in the next verse. He's trying to reveal some grace to people. But you'd be surprised who he wants to reveal it to. Verse 9 said, and, and here's it. Put that up. I want you to see this. Revealed grace. Revealed grace. This is important. Because ultimately... The virus that's running through America with all our prosperity and all the grace that God has given to our country is that this life is not worth living. It's a lie. He's trying to reveal this grace not just to you, but to everyone. This life is abundantly worth living. It's worth living. If you have heard the lie of the devil that tells you this life is not worth it, it's a lie. He's trying to snuff you out. He's trying to trick you. He's trying to trap you. He's trying to lead you in a path that God is not taking you on. This life is worth it in Christ Jesus. If you look at the news, it will tell you that man cannot be reconciled with one another. If you look at it from an earthly perspective, you'll want reparations. Is that it? 
Because I always say reprobations. <laughs> yeah. You'll think that there's something that another man can give you that can give you peace, and it can't happen. This only can happen in Christ. Jew and Gentile only in Christ. Saint reaching out to sinners only in Christ. Black and white only in Christ. Brown and yellow only in Christ. Only in Christ. He wants to reveal this. Who does he want to reveal this to? Verse 9. And to make plain to everyone. He wants to make this plain to everyone. What? The grace. The administration of the mystery. He wants to make it plain that you receive the grace to extend the grace so it's revealed to everybody that God's plan is good and it's right. Oh, I'm going to prove it further because uh, y'all still ain't amen in the right way. Okay, that's all right. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. Which in age past is kept hidden in God who created all things. Final verse, verse 10. His intent was it now through the church. Let me stop there. You're important. This church is important. How we worship is important. How we stick together is important. Seeing, seeing ethnic groups together in church is important. Seeing gender equality in church is important. Seeing that a boss and a worker can worship in unity together, it's important. See, the grace received is important. The grace extended is important. But it's not just grace extended by one group. It's grace extended by a group. See, the church is the pillar that holds up the truth. And we don't compromise just because we're trying to harmonize with one another. We speak the truth to one another in love. We just gently say, hey, 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 it's okay. It's okay. I know, I know you came in and you thought that Christ was okay with that. It's all right. You didn't know. Let me, let me gently lead you and guide you to how he feels about life, how he feels about how you live your life. I don't know if I could do it. He knew you didn't know. But if you get more of his grace, he'll give you more power to withstand. But you know, ultimately, he wants to give you power to extend his grace. See, the church reveals something about God, not just to the people now, but watch this, to the rulers and to the authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ. Do you know, wait a minute. He's not just trying to display on earth what he's doing. He's trying to make a proclamation to all of his creation. See, the angels are not omniscient. They don't know everything. They're figuring it out. The angel was saying stuff like, oh, what is man that you're so mindful of him? The son of man that you visited him. You made him Lord and angels, but yet you crown him with virtue and truth. The Bible says that the angels desire to look into stuff that they were denied. The, the Bible says, had the, the princes of this earth known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. See, there are things that are hidden that God is revealing, not just on earth, but in the heavenly realm. The Bible says he openly triumphs over the demonic forces who try to hold you to indebtedness. What this world, in conclusion, look like? 
if we receive the grace, wow, you know, people be getting saved left and right. Isn't it funny? Did Paul look like the guy that's the furthest away from God? But we keep forgetting the amazing grace is not that God is way down there. It's that, that he's, he's a breath away. He's very pretty breath. He's a door knock. He's just, he's just trying to get you to turn. That's it. Turn from to. Turn from what you do to him. Turn away from sin to righteousness. He's just trying to get you to turn. And when you turn, when you turn, he's trying to say, I not only gave you grace, but I gave you a gift of grace to extend to everybody who seems far from me. And I'm going to bring them all together in the church, the church family. And it's going to be a sign of revealed grace to everyone in heaven and on earth. What would the world look like? A happy place. I'm going to tell you what the world looked like. It would look like us stopping embracing for impact and and instead making an impact. Well, it's about to get bad. It's going to get bad. Get ready. Get ready. They're going to take everything. The mark of the beast is coming. It's coming. It's coming. When has he told you to be afraid of anything? I don't know how you define it, what doctrine, but none of it is fear-based. Faith. It's faith. You're not at the end. You're not at the end. You serve Christ. What does it look like? It looks like us leading the world. It looks like us changing the world. It looks like righteousness exalting a nation instead of sin being a reproach to every people. I'm telling you that if we would receive this grace in full measure, We'll do what Paul did, get down to Damascus and immediately start preaching a new message and put God on display. What is he asking you to do, church? Sit in condemnation because you feel more like Bobby than Ricky? No. He wants you to sit like that. Ricky is only a representation of a brother in Christ who received and extended the grace so that he could reveal God. Bobby is just a representation of somebody who received the grace to a measure that has to keep being replenished in order just to keep the pilot light on. I'm telling you, if you let God pour that grace in today in a new way, he's going to push you from just receiving it to extending it. That's what he wants to do, church. That's where outreach begins. It's a, one of the words I didn't use, I didn't preach on was, he said, a boundless or a, 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 a unfathomable grace or love. The Bible says that the person who's forgiven much loves much. You know the weakness with James Lowe, when I stay on my Bobby side, I think I, I was all right anyway. I wasn't too bad. I, I have no idea how far I was from Christ. And when that revelation hits you, you just start saying stuff like, Oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you and me. 
if you've watched this message and you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, I've got good news. You can do it right now. I want you to pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life for the rest of my life. I acknowledge I am a sinner. I need you, my Savior. I believe you died for me. I believe you were raised from the dead on the third day. And I confess that you are now Lord of my life. If you've just prayed that prayer, I have good news for you. You have eternal life. The next step for you is to get in a Bible-believing church. We volunteer to be that church. But if not us, we pray God's blessings on you as you search for God's best for you. Thank you.